This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. This is going to be episode number 66. And the topic of that is, or the topic is going to be, just, be, just because it comes from Vatican II doesn't make it automatically illegitimate. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. And Jesus, um, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. So, the topic for this particular episode has been floating around in the back of my mind. And I want to say from, the, from around earlier this year. And not that it ever completely left my mind, but I got caught up. And... Uh, the Lord put it on me to do this particular topic. Um, 
I'm trying to get my thoughts together because when I say everything that Vatican II or not everything that Vatican II does or supports is illegitimate this this takes on this 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 isn't just one area it cover to uh, covers a lot of things and thank you lord jesus and mother mary um Once again, I'm trying to get my thoughts together because I'm being bombarded with a lot of information. Let's start off with... Let's, let's start off with the generalized attitude. By the way, before I even get started, everything that I say and everything that I talk about I've either been guilty of in the past or I'm guilty of right now. And I am working on these things. I have noticed that since I started getting deeper into Sedvacantism, that um, that's within a certain segment of Sedvacantism, or for those of you who are uninitiated, um, pre-Vatican II, uh, church followers that's what said contism is um, the generalized attitude is is everything that's within Vatican II is illegitimate now that attitude is incorrect but there's a good reason to hold that attitude. So I'm making a distinction here. I'm saying it's a bad, it's a bad general idea. I'm sorry, it's it's an erroneous idea, but it's not a bad general attitude to have when you approach things that are coming from Vatican II. And the reason I'm saying that is is not everything that the Vatican, you know, when they say Holy Spirit. They've been using, the, the term Holy Spirit has been around for 2,000 years, or, I'm sorry, 3,000 years. That does not necessarily make it an illegitimate concept, uh, not concept, expression. Um, the spiritual life. Not, you know, the, 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 the saints, religious, um, and priests have been talking about the spiritual life since the beginning of the church. That does, just because Vatican II talks about it does not make it illegitimate. However, the reason why I say we must approach Vatican II or distrust Vatican II in general is because it's a modernist church 
and they dress up a lot of their heretical ideas in pseudo-intellectual language that is meant instead of to clarify but to muddy the waters and something that we may be reading that we think of as legit may not actually be legit. So yes, we should be suspicious of the stuff that comes... But what I'm saying is, as an old, you know, to dismiss everything that has come out of the Vatican II Church is not necessarily illegitimate. Um, now, on the flip side, and I mean on the absolute flip side, we also have amongst Sedvacantists or pre-Vatican II Council Catholics, the slavish idea that everything before Vatican II is legitimate, above board, and above question. Now, having since become more serious about my relationship with Jesus Christ, His Blessed Mother, and His revealed church here on earth, His one true religion, I have had the opportunity to peruse some books written prior to Vatican II. And this idea, this mistaken idea, I might add, that everything prior to Vatican, you know, everything happened at Vatican II, everything happened at Vatican II was somehow or another um, you know, that's when the heresy began, that's, you know, that's when the heresy began, and, the, you know, the, the church before Vatican II was as spotless as a virgin's wedding gown, is absolutely historically inaccurate and ignorant. As I never get tired of talking about, and by the way, you know, I wouldn't blame you for having this attitude, but if you have this attitude, well, he's just an ignorant layman. What does he know? There are several Sedvacantists, bishops and priests, not to mention pre-Vatican II uh, priests and hierarchy who have written about Freemasonry and about the Illuminati, and about their infiltration of the Catholic Church. If I'm not mistaken, a couple laymen as well, learned laymen, I might add. So you don't have to take my word for it. You absolutely don't. I actually, when I talk about Freemasonry, I put in my show notes the sources that I got my information from. I'll have to take my word for it and read these books, and they're all pre-Vatican II. But in my perusal of some traditional Catholic books, pre-Vatican II, I have come across the seed, the modernistic seeds of Vatican II, terms such as separated brethren. That's the one that sticks in my mind the most right now. 
Um, I've also, in one of the favorite catechism used by Sedevacantis, in their section, because it was basically written for American Catholics around the 1950s, it talks about the relations between patriotism and the U.S. government and does not discuss at all the ties between Freemasonry and the American founding. Those are the two major examples. But what I'm trying to get at is, is just because something was printed prior to 1960 does not mean it's legitimate and above board. You need spiritual discernment and honestly holy wisdom to um, to recognize some of the, the errors in some of these books. Now, am I saying that the authors themselves were modernist heretics? No. These books have imprimators. They have censored. Um, uh, imprimators. They were approved by their particular bishop and his censor. What I'm saying is, is they 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 do have modernist heresies in them, however innocently they may be. And by the way, I am I am not claiming to be the judge of these authors. I am not. That is God's job. I'm saying that. What they wrote in their books are modernist errors. I'm not claiming judgment on the spiritual state or the intentions of the authors themselves. Given the fact that they have imprimaturs would tell me that their bishops found them unobjectionable. And... I do understand, and I do, that some people would say that, um, or that they, they would be mistrustful because, well, um, you know, why, why would the, the bishop censor give an imprimatur to a book that had modernism in it? That is... That is above my pay grade. That's between... I think that's God's divine providence, to be honest. Because this is why I continue to hammer home the concept of divine providence is that what we're going through right now is not a random series of accidents. The Masonic Satanist forces that control our world can do nothing without God's permission. You don't believe me? Read the book of Job. So this is part of his divine providence, and um, I'm taking Father uh, Jean Pierre's de Cassade's advice on God's will. It is not up to me to know His will. It's just to do um, what I think is His will here on earth. Now.
to to the more theologically literate of my set of accountants listeners, and I really don't think I have many, but um, the term separated brethren is actually inside the Vatican II documents. The, the book that I was referencing was written in 1870s. And it wasn't just the 1870s. And by the way, in case you need appeal to authority, and, um, um, you're, you're, you're allergic to reading, putting it charitably, in the True Restoration series, uh, Root of the Rot, it started off with Bishop Dolan and then Bishop Sanborn took over for some reason. So I'm not sure which one of them covered it, but one of those two bishops covered how there were plenty of... Uh, uh, Amer American prelates and priests in the late 1800s who were infected with the heresy of Americanism and modernism. So, you're allergic to reading, and you, know, you, you don't want to pick up a book and learn about this stuff. It's covered in the root of the wrath. I'm sorry, the True Restoration podcast series, Root of the Wrath. Now, they've been jiggering around with the released material, so I'm not sure that that series is still on their free episodes to listen to, but as far as I know, it still is. If I'm wrong, as they never get tired of saying, for a small fee, you can own that, those episodes. And um, I really need to buy Father Utley's uh, Spiritual Life series. Anyhow, so you have that aspect. And then you have the aspect of St. Padre Pio. They canonized him a saint. And St. Maximilian Colby. Now, before I get into this to my set of Acontis Autis friends out there, I'm not saying that A, that, that the Vatican II Church has the authority to canonize anybody. They do not. I've said this ad nauseum. They do not. Nor am I saying that everybody who the Vatican II Church canonizes is an actual saint. Obviously, I'm just going to take the most blatant examples. Obviously, Mr. Roncalli, Mr. Montini, and Mr. Watia are not saints. Now, there have been some rumblings that uh, Mr. Bergoglio wants to um, canonize Saint, uh, I'm sorry, Pope Pius XII. Now, does he have the authority to do that? 
He has no authority to do that any more than I would. However, I think using our common reason, as Bishop Sanborn puts it, we can say that Pope Pius XII was a pious man and even if he had to go through purgatory in order to get to heaven, I think that we can make not that we can make the charitable the charitable observation that he appeared to be a pious man and he probably as I never get tired of saying if you get into heaven I don't care if you have to spend a million years in purgatory you become a saint once you go through purgatory so we can I, I think for charity's sake just like I think for charity's sake we can say that Father Chicada and Bishop Dolan are now Saint Father Chicada and Saint Bishop Dolan. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, I don't think showing them that charity is overstepping the bounds. Now, I'm raising Saint Pius the I'm sorry, St. Uh, Padre Pio and um, St. Maximilian Colby in particular because these are the two that I'm familiar with. Now, as far as St. Padre Pio goes, even if St. Pius XII had been inclined to um, to beatify him, he was still alive. My understanding of the, uh, the, the law on that subject is, is that a saint has to die first before he can be... Um, his cause for canonization can go forward. So even if Pius XII had been inclined to do it for St. Pius to, uh, I'm sorry, St. Padre Pio, he couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it. And I want you guys to use your critical thinking skills. Vatican II was was signed off in in 1965 St. Padre Pio died in 1968 do you think and I want you I want you artists out there to use your gray matter that he became infected with 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 modernism in that time three years and and let's just say I'm going to indulge this particular thought. Let's just say he was a modernist in disguise. He had the stigmata. He had literal documented instances. I believe they call it bifurcation, where you're at two places at the same time. Last time I checked, 
even imposters, out and out magicians cannot perform these miracles. But especially the stigmata. Especially the stigmata. The stigmata in my, uh, in, my, in, in my ignorant understanding is the literal marks that God gives you that you are literally His friend of God. It's like getting the Medal of Honor in the American military. You don't get the Medal of Honor for cleaning out trash cans. You don't get the Medal of Honor for just... Uh, ordinary bravery you get the medal of honor for extraordinary acts of heroism in the heat of battle that is my understanding so you know when I run into the well I, I try to stay off of social media as in so far as I'm able anymore but I you know when when um um, when I run into, or I'm sorry, when I have run into these autists who, oh, he was canonized by Paul II Watia. Okay, well, to me, that's just Watia using a using a authority that he doesn't have to canonize the obvious. You know, anybody who knows their saint's history knows the stigmata is rare. I mean, the saints themselves probably comprise less than 1% of the entire um um Catholics who have died, or I'll say 1%, less than 1% of the Catholics, you know, of, of Catholics. The amount of saints who have actually received the stigmata, I would say would be 0.001%. Of the saints. And it's probably even lower than that. Off the top of my head. Um, I know of St. Francis. Assisi. Um, St. Rita Cassica. Um, St. Um, Catherine of Siena. Off the top of my head. And then, obviously, Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio. There, there's, I'm pretty sure there's more than that. But what I'm saying is they, they are a select minority within a select minority. Now, while I'm on this subject, I had a, you know, some set of a contest wig out on me when I had a Twitter account because I was using Vatican II images that under, I think, uh, St. Hildegard von Bingen, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, and St. 
Therese of Lisieux, calling them doctors of the church. Now, I already covered this in a way earlier episode. Since Vatican II material is 99.9% of the material available for free online, I have to use what I get. Therefore, if you ever visit my Pinterest page and you see an, you know, uh, uh, an image where it says uh, Doctor of the Church for St. Catherine of Siena, it means two things. Number one, she's unquestionably a saint. You know, she was legitimately canonized by a legitimate pope. She is a saint. Number two, I am fully aware that Montini had, did not have the authority, or his sect for that matter, to make her a doctor of the church, and that there are sound theological reasons for that females were not canonized doctors of the church. That this was Montini's, his sex way of, of bridging to the world, which we're not supposed to do. But that does not mean that I'm giving my stamp of approval to that. What that means is, I like the image, it had that unfortunate statement on it, and since the majority of the people on Pinterest can't make that distinction anyway, to, to quote a very cranky old lady, At this difference, what difference does it make? And... For further clarification, um, for, for added clarification, if you're calling yourself a true Catholic and you're not using critical thinking skills in the sense that if I post something on my Pinterest and the word sedvacantis is one of the first lines on my description, but I'm posting the term, you know, posting an image with the term doctor of the church, but you do not have the critical thinking skills to think, okay, let me drop this guy a note and ask him if he's aware of this, or for the sake of charity, giving me the benefit of the doubt and saying, well, the guy says he said of a contest, so maybe he has a good reason for using this image regardless of the erroneous title that's on there. You know, I, I don't want to make this a set of a contest bashing episode. I just tend to get irritable when people just automatically assume that, well, I know canon law, I know church history, and I know ch uh, church doctrine. Therefore, I can check my critical thinking skills out 
when I'm dealing on other aspects of my life. Your critical thinking skills do not stop um, in, in matters of doctrine, history, and law, canon law. You're to use your critical thinking skills in all aspects of your life. It shouldn't take somebody that you find contemptuous to point out that fact to you. And by the way, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, this is not a judgment. It isn't. If you do find me contemptuous, but you're not practicing critical thinking, well, you're not practicing the concept I just talked about, I would suggest, just suggest, that the issue, you know, and, and quite frankly, the holding me in contempt part, I don't care, <laughs> but I, I would suggest that the issue lies more with you than it does with me. Just a thought. Now, so, I, I told this, I actually, when I was still on Twitter, I think I told this to another set of accountants who was getting his, his uh, as the Brits would say, knickers in a twist over the, the St. Padre Pio thing. I told him, I said, um, I mean, I outlined the other things that I've, that I've outlined previous to this, but I also reminded him that I am well aware, and these may not have been my exact words, we're, we're talking two or three months ago, but that my words went, ran all, along these lines. I am well aware that Watia and his, his band of merry heretics that pretend to be Catholics ha, do not have the authority to canonize Padre Pio. But... Because he had the stigmata, I think we can use our common reason and that the stigmata is one of God's marks upon his favorites that they were just recognizing the obvious for whatever reason that they were doing it. And let's be honest, if a, if a, if a, if a, a saint has the stigmata, you know, let's just say I'm... I'm Pope Excelsior III and I'm in the Vatican II sect and there was a prior Vatican II saint with the stigmata who hadn't been canonized and I canonize him. Do I have the authority to do it? No, but I am recognizing the obvious. Once again, critical thinking skills are the key. Now, as far as St. Maximilian Colby, and I'm going to get into um, some of the more problematic uh, saints that Vatican II is. The reason I use 
Padre Pio and Maximilian Colby because I used some of his quotes on my Twitter. He was canonized by Batia. That doesn't automatically make him a heretic or a modernist. And to that particular poster, I asked him, I said, I have yet to come across any books denouncing Maximilian Colby as a modernist. I have yet to come across any books that prove conclusively that he was guilty of the modernist heresy. As a matter of fact, in my own research, as near as I could tell, he was very devoted to the Blessed Virgin. Now, try to stay with me here on this example. Let's just say Francis took a bad dose of LSD or maybe he was high on meth or crack and decided to canonize uh, Father Tricata and Bishop Sam, uh, I'm sorry, Bishop Dolan. Let's just say that. Now, we know that these men are pious and true Catholics. Does that all of a sudden make them modernists in disguise? That this somehow invalidates what, um, I think, you know, what would you say 70 years? Does this invalidate 70 years of, of piety and devotion to the true Catholic Church just because Francis got high and decided to, to, do, to, to canonize the obvious? I'm not, once again, I go back to, I am well aware he does not have the authority to do anything. If Francis and his minions were to show up at my doorstep tomorrow and proclaim me a heretic of the week, or no, I'm sorry, heretic of the century or the millennia, it wouldn't matter. They do not have the authority. So let's not get that twisted. But as far as Maximilian Colby goes... I have yet to run into any apologetic material that that states that he would that puts any doubt upon his piety. And let, you know, and once again, let's just say, let's just say, because obviously he did not have the outward marks of a saint, but let's just say he was just a a pious and devout priest who loved the Virgin Mother. As long as he did not die in a state of mortal sin, all he had on his soul was venial sin, you could still go to purgatory with venial sin. And once again, you know, and this is what what, why I'm, I'm, my, my tone is irritable because Sedevacantus should already know this. If he goes to purgatory with venial sin, once he gets to heaven, he's a saint. Bishop 
Bishop Sanborn himself said that the church keeps a list of saints, not the damned. If you do not understand that, you know, quite frankly, I'm going to be blunt. It does not boggle my mind because I'm well familiar with human frailties and faults because I'm full of them myself. But it just makes me want to bash my head into a wall that people who can break down the heresies of the Vatican II Council who can quote you the 1917 Code of Canon Law, chapter and verse, who can tell you uh, the events leading up to the Great Western Schism in the 14th century, do not understand the concept of if you make it to purgatory, once you get to heaven, you're a saint, makes me want to bash my head into a wall. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, and human beings, what they are, I'm not saying every Catholic at this time uh, knew this, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting a lot of Catholics back in the 1900s understood this concept. And they weren't particularly theological or historically literate. And they darn sure didn't know the 1917 Code of Canon Law. Why would they? And while I'm on that, the 1917 Code of Canon Law, and for that matter, knowing the heresies of the Vatican II Council and knowing your church history, are great for apologetics. They are great for apologetics. However, what we should try to remember is, is how are you going to get others in the right religion when you don't understand all the aspects of your religion, your own self? Now, am I saying that you need to understand all the saints' writings and teachings? No. But you at least should have a passing familiarity with the spiritual teachings and the writings of the saints. Father Bernard Utley, and you know, to my regular listeners, you can complain and moan all you want to. The man, the man in my mind is a devout, he's a gift from God as far as I'm concerned, at least for me. At least for me, he's a gift from God. He, ex he said in his spiritual life podcast on true restoration, people are using the Bible as apologetics. People are using the writings of the saints as apologetics. He said the main purpose of the Bible and the main purpose of the writings of the saints is so that you can get your own spiritual house in order. I I do, it's not necessarily a, a regret. It's not necessarily a regret. But it does make me sad. 
And before I make this statement, I'm going to say that given my own failed and flawed and very sinful nature, I already understand before I say this that there are a lot of errors in what I'm about ready to say on the spiritual level. It makes me sad that I can see these things and people who should be able to see these things can't. And even if they can't, can see these things, why they're not putting them into practice? Because they are God's wisdom themselves. If you want to boil down Catholicism to its essence, it's putting Jesus Christ's teachings into practical practice in your day-to-day -day existence. And, like anything else, you know, for those of you who are married, doesn't matter if you're male or female. If you're female, you know, when you were going out with your husband... You tried to find out everything about your husband. You wanted to know every aspect about your husband. And as a matter of fact, if you're an American female, you probably annoyed your husband with all your questions. Because guys don't like that kind of thing. Or most guys, I should say. I don't want to make a broad brush. But most guys don't. Now, if you're a male... Before, you know, when you were dating your wife, you wanted to know everything about her. Now, because male and females, despite what the Masons might teach you, are different on fundamental levels, maybe you didn't want to know all the autistic details about your wife, but you wanted to get to know her, her likes, her dislikes, you know, uh, whatever, so that, you could please her. And by the way, it's, you know, hopefully set of conscious will get this. Not just Jesus Christ, but his blessed mother as well. Because they are joined at the hip. Literally joined at the hip. But, um, that, that is, that is just the, natural the natural philosophy of somebody you love with, with a love that cannot be questioned you want to get to know them and by the way Father Utley also discusses this in his spiritual life series I would say the same thing is true with God you know um I'm gonna lie. I, I I am not gonna lie. There were girls that I was shacking up with, or was just, you know, hooking up with, that I said I loved. And even when I said it, it was just an expression. I knew when I said it that I didn't know what love is. Not true love anyway. And I was using the term love in a generalized sense that 
oh, I liked being around them and the sex was really great or whatever, but as, as far as to getting to know them deeper and committing myself to them, no, that was not the case. So, now I want to get, because I'm, I'm closing in on 50 minutes, so I, I want to close this out. For my closing part, last part, I want to talk about the problematic saints. Now, as far as, I believe she's called Saint Teresa Benedict, Benedicta, um, she also died during World War II. I haven't really actually, and I've been doing the Pinterest thing for true Catholicism for almost, almost, actually I think it, it has been around a year. I have yet to come across any of her Spiritual writings. I have yet to come across any of your spiritual writings. Um, but even when I was in the Vatican II sect, I tended to, you know, um, keep my distance. And as far as St. Faustina goes, I actually heard, and there are actual set of Accountus YouTube videos that talk about how the divine mercy um, devotion in the Vatican II sect is just like the luminous mysteries that Watia introduced into the Vatican II sect. They're heretical from the get-go. But I did catch a I think this was on True Restoration Radio. Bishop Sanborn was talking, and I couldn't tell you which series this was on. I wish I could. They, he's done a lot of programming on that show. Um, he mentioned the fact that when... because you got to remember when, when Sister Faustina was doing what she was doing... This was during Pope Pius XII. And they examined her diaries. And Bishop Sanborn states implicitly, I remember this implicitly, that they didn't denounce it out of hand at the time for whatever reasons. But that, and you got to remember that Bishop Stanborn started out as a Vatican II seminarian. But the rumor within the upper echelons within the Vatican II uh, clergy was, was that the prelates and the priests that examined Sister Faustina's diaries found all sorts of mortal sins in those diaries. And remember, a mortal sin is not just an outward sin. 
you know, watching porn, getting drunk, um, stealing. Those those are outward mortal sins. If you're if you're guilty of pride, envy, um, lust, um, there there's four more on there. But you get the idea. If you if you're guilty of those sins in 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 your in your spiritual life. Those are mortal sins. That's why they're called the seven deadly sins. And apparently, Sister Faustina's diary was chocked full of them. And if I'm remembering correctly, and if I'm not, my... my um, telegraph account is open. But I believe Bishop Sanborn mentioned in one of her diary passages, she said that she was more important than the Virgin Mary. Now on the very face of it, that's, that's a heresy. Because nobody, and I mean absolutely nobody, none of the angels and none of the saints are above the Blessed Virgin Mary. First of all, God the Father created her. The Holy Ghost put Jesus inside of her and is her spouse, and Jesus Christ himself is her son. So the only, the Trinity is the only thing above the Blessed Virgin. But because she is so intimately connected to all three persons of the Blessed Trinity, <coughs> no pious Catholic, and I'm talking literally pious, would make such a claim. And honestly speaking, I don't think that any irreligious Catholic, if you pump them full of opium, weed, cocaine, whatever, would be so... Um, presumptuous or even or even that high that they would make such a claim. Now obviously I'm being hyperbolic. Since it's never happened, we'll never know. I'm just I'm, I'm using hyperbole for a point. Like I said, everything I do on this podcast is for a point. I'm, I'm pointing out the sheer presumption and heresy that that statement is. So, I'm not, when I say, going back to the original topic, when I say that just because Vatican II, something, you know, there's, is within Vatican II doesn't necessarily make it illegitimate. I stand by that. However, I reference you to my the second point of the topic, but we should we should have a healthy distrust of everything that comes out of Vatican II. Obviously. There are literal Masons running it. So um even if you disagree with this or this episode or whatever, 
If you've made it through almost 55 minutes, thank you for listening. Um, I don't, I don't ask that anyone agree. I just ask that they give me a fair listen. That's all I'm asking for. If you did that, thank you. For what it's worth, I care for everyone as best as a flawed, failed, very simple individual can. And I pray for everyone. And I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. So, in closing, thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.